Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from the Psalms, chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Please follow along in your Bibles or on the screen above. Hear now the word of God. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prosperous. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to New Mercy Palisades Church. Um, and thank you, praise team. Uh, you really just uh, ushered me into worship today. I was very, I mean, I love our praise team, but today they just really felt like the Spirit was with them. So thank you for that. And, and Paul, thank you for emceeing and for that short testimony. That was fantastic. We, we wonder who reads our stuff, and people do. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, but yeah, we welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray that you will be blessed today. Uh, hopefully you've been blessed already, but uh, by the end of the service, we pray that you would have left having heard from God. Uh, so, so that's always my hope whenever I, I come up here. So why don't we start actually with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. At the end of the day, my words are nothing, Father. It's only if these words are connected to your truth. It's only if your spirit is working through these words that they will matter in our lives. And I pray that this morning that that's what would happen, that I would disappear and that you, uh, the Holy Spirit, would show up and speak to our hearts the truth that we need to hear. Thank you so much, Father. We pray all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So uh, today we are going to be finishing our current series titled Rooted in Prayer. Um, now, if you haven't been with us, uh, with our church in January, uh, just to give you guys, get you guys up to speed, uh, and just like as Paul said, our church theme for 2020 is Deeply Rooted. Uh, and just like the theme suggests, the goal this year as a church, right, and as individuals is to become more deeply rooted in God. Okay? To the degree that our roots are deeper in God, to that degree will we see the life of God manifesting in our lives and our community, right? So that's what we're going to be focusing on uh, this whole year. Uh, now, as we've been saying in this first uh, sermon series of 2020, prayer is actually the most important vehicle that God gives us to become more deeply rooted in Him. Okay, uh, and uh, we looked at a couple different ways that, that prayer does this these past couple Sundays. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up the series. Uh, to wrap up the series, uh, what we're going to do is we're just going to look at one more way that prayer can root us deeper in God. So to start, I actually uh, want to do a, a short exercise with you. Each of you, when you guys came to the church today uh, in the back, you should, have, uh, you should have been handed a small printout. Uh, please, if you guys can take that out. Uh, who actually hasn't gotten a handout? I think some of the praise team might, have, might not have gotten it. Uh, Pastor Bob has them in the back. So can you raise your hand if you didn't get a handout? It's important that you, you get one. I can't see because he's, okay. There we go. We got a couple over there. I think the rest of us are pretty good. Okay, thank you. Uh, Again, on this printout, what you're going to find is a, a, a passage of Scripture. What I want to do for the next few minutes is I want us to engage this passage with our imaginations. Um, and uh, you'll, you'll see the point of the exercise in a little bit. So first what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, read the passage out loud. 
and as you listen to me read this passage, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes. So for the first part, don't read along on the papers, right? You'll get to do that in a second, okay? Uh, and as I'm reading this passage out loud, I want you to imagine this biblical account unfolding before your eyes, like, like a movie, okay? Uh, and so that's what we're going to do right now. So if you, everybody, if you guys can close your eyes. Okay, let's take a deep breath and just, you know, relax. I know you have a lot of stuff going through your mind. Let's just kind of uh, take a deep breath. Okay, let's close our eyes. And if you guys can just listen to my voice as I read this passage. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? that even the wind and the waves obey him. Okay. Now, what I want you to do uh, is, I want you to open your eyes, okay? Um, And I want you to take that passage out, and I want you to read it quietly to to yourself, okay? And as you do that, uh, I want you to continue to visualize the account in your imagination. For example, right? Uh, think of what it would have been like to be in that boat, right? What would you have been feeling? You know, the wetness, right? The waves tossing the boat and the fear, right? When you look at Jesus sleeping on the cushion, how, how do you see him, right? And how does that make you feel? When he tells the winds and the waves to stop, and they do, how does that affect you? Does it have an impact on your faith? Okay, wherever the text leads your heart and your mind, I want you to explore that. And feel free to read, more, uh, read it more than once. And as you're doing this, uh, if there are any feelings and thoughts or prayers that just kind of bubble up from your heart, uh, I want you to pray those out to God and talk to God about them. Okay, so I'm going to give you a couple minutes to do that. Uh, but in quiet, let's just kind of read through this as I just instructed. Okay, Uh, I'll give you more time, but we need to move on. Um, Now, you know, I don't know what your experience was like uh, or what the experience was like for you, uh, but for me, uh, and I would say for a lot of people, uh, doing this kind of exercise is often uh, very powerful uh, and actually very illuminating. Uh, Almost always when I do this, I see things that I didn't see before. 
uh, and I leave affected uh, in, some, in some way or, or reminded of some, some important part of my own faith and, and my own life. For example, uh, with, this particular, uh, with this particular passage, which I've meditated on before, uh, when, when I meditated on it, what I, what I did was I placed myself in the boat, and I remember feeling fear and panic that I was going to drown. Right, as I imagined the boat kind of going back and forth, all these waves kind of breaking over, it actually brought me back to this memory when I was actually swimming in the ocean uh, with these powerful waves, and they were just knocking me around. And, and, uh, and you know, as that was happening, you know, I realized if something were to go wrong, if I were, getting, if I were to get sucked in by a riptide or something, I'd be screwed, right? just how powerful these waves are. And then as I continued meditating on this, I, you know, I remember feeling annoyed at Jesus for being a bum, Right? Everybody else is doing work. He's just sleeping on a cushion. Right? He's not helping out. And then after he calms the storm, I remember exploring the sensation of what it would have been like to stand in front of a person with that kind of power and what that would make me think. Like, dude, who is this guy? And after doing all that, uh, then what I did was I, I let all of that lead me organically into prayer. And I remember saying this, uh, you know, things along the lines of, you know, Father, I realize now, you know, as, as I meditated on this, I realize now just how small and powerless I am, completely helpless in the boat. And in my life, there's all this stuff that's been happening that I have no control over. And I've been annoyed at you for not doing anything about it or rescuing me from it. And I doubted your power. But clearly when I see that the winds and the waves obey you, I see that you have so much more power than I realized, than I realized to handle this stuff. That's, you have so much power, you can handle this stuff easily. And I see how you're so calm through the storm. You're not worried at all. So I shouldn't be either. In fact, there's probably something that you're trying to teach me, like you taught the disciples here. So Father, please help me to trust you and to remember that you are God and that you are sovereign over my life, my circumstances, and anything in this world. Please give me more faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you guys see how that works? How, how, how all that happened? How processing that account with my imagination led me into prayer and deeper intimacy with God? Now, you know, look, it, it works differently depending on, on the text you're reading. This particular story has a lot of drama going on, so it's pretty easy for our minds to imagine. But there's all different kinds of literature in the Bible, and how you use your imagination for these different types of literature is different. For example, in the, in the Psalms, right, when you read a psalm, uh, there's usually not a story, right? It's more like a song or a prayer. Uh, but when you read it, you can ask yourself, you know, why did the person pray this prayer? Some of the Psalms are pretty dramatic. Why did he pray this prayer? What circumstances might have caused the psalmist to express himself like this, right? Were there times that I felt like this, like the psalmist, what, like what he wrote? And, and what do the, those emotions that the psalmist is writing about feel like? Or if you get to the, or if you read some narratives, there's narratives and there's parables in the Bible, you, instead of just kind of reading it, enter into the narrative, and enter into the parables. Jesus actually tells people parables so that they would enter into them, into the characters of the story to see what it brings out in their hearts. Or if there's a teaching, or if you go through um, in the Proverbs or something like that, you know, think about like how people at that time would have received it. How would the crowds have received Jesus' teaching? 
How does this teaching apply to my life? You know, uh, what, would, what would he have felt, in fact, teaching this to the people and looking at them and things like that, right? So this exercise that we just did and I just kind of described is what is called meditative prayer. Meditative prayer. Now, I know when we think of meditation, right, uh, we think of it as this, this arduous thing, right? Monks come to mind, right? And we just cannot imagine meditation being either easy or fun. But here's the thing, right? It's actually really simple. Under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, it's literally what we just did in the few-minute exercise that we just did at the beginning of the service or the sermon, right? It's just using our imagination when we read the passage and letting our imagination bring that passage to life. And then it's taking whatever you learn through that process and then letting all of that speak into your life. And then the last step is just processing and praying those things out. Very organic, this whole meditative uh, prayer process. And let me tell you something. This is actually far more interesting and engaging than how most of us typically consume the Bible. Usually what we do when we read the Bible is we try to get it over with as fast as we can, right? Like we're kids eating our vegetables, right? I just have to get through these, these three chapters on the Bible app and then I can get on with the rest of my day, right? A lot of us, if you're honest, that's how you approach it. But here's the thing, if that's how you approach the Word of God, reading the Bible, what's going to happen is reading the Bible is going to feel like a chore or you're eventually going to burn out. I mean, yes, look, there is a lot of value in having an overview of the Bible by reading it cover cover to cover. But when it comes to finding joy in the Word of God and getting it into your heart and letting that feed your prayer life, meditative prayer is the only way. Okay? And the great thing about meditation is that you cannot meditate fast. Have you ever tried to meditate fast? You cannot meditate fast, so you don't need to get through three chapters in one sitting. Sometimes one story or one verse is more than enough. You can even sit on one story through the whole week. I mean, you'd be surprised what you see in a story after chewing on it for a few days, even if it's just for a few minutes a day. You know, in meditation, you can do it as short as five minutes, like we just did today, or as long as you want. You just need to be sure to slow down during that time. Now, why is this kind of meditative prayer important in the Christian life? Why? Let me show you. So, at the most basic level, meditative prayer is important because by fixating on God's words, what we're doing is we're letting those words have an impact on us. See, when it comes to words, right, and I'm just talking about any kind of words, not just God's words, okay? When it comes to words, the reality is this. Words are extremely powerful. Now, you know, most of the time, right, if you're honest, you don't give words a second thought, right? We think of them as these, these ordinary mundane things, and we just toss them around like they just don't matter very much. What this shows me is that, like a lot of things in life, our familiarity has led us astray. Our familiarity with words has caused us to take them for granted. And because we do that, we forget what incredible things they are. 
and the powerful effects that they have in our lives. But if you take even just a second to think about how words have impacted your life, you see just how powerful they really are. You know, if someone uh, comes up to me and tells me that I'm ugly, which happened a lot when I was younger, the haircut that I used to have, or that my, if somebody comes up to me after the service and goes, you know what, Key, your, ter- your sermon was terrible. <laughs> or if somebody tells me I'm a bad pastor, right? Those words are going to affect me probably for the rest of the week, if not much longer. You know, no matter how thick your skin is, a lot of people are like, I have a thick skin. Look, no matter how thick your skin is, it's very hard not to let words like that affect you. You know, I have a friend when he was younger, uh, you know, in high school and things like that, he was constantly told that he was too skinny. Oh, you're so skinny. You need to eat more. You're so skinny, right? No girls are going to like you, right? He would always be hearing stuff like that. And because of this, he worked out like crazy when he got older, when he went to college, right? And he got really jacked. Like his arms were pretty big, right? But I remember him sharing with me uh, when we were in seminary together, he shared with me that when he looks in the mirror, as an adult, he still thinks he's too skinny. And I'm like, dude, no, you're not skinny, buddy. But see how the words that he heard as a kid impacted and distorted his sense of self. I mean, we all know stories like this where a person grew up hearing things about them and how those words shaped that person and affected the trajectory of their lives. Or take the advertising industry or, or, or government propaganda throughout history, right? Those entities do what they do because they know that they're, they know they're, with their words they can affect what you believe, what you desire, and what you think you lack, which in turn can affect your behavior, what you do and what you buy. You know, if you want to get depressed or if you want to come away firmly believing that humankind is completely depraved, all you need to do is read the comment section of any internet article. I sometimes do that. I don't know why, but sometimes it messes up my whole day, right? Matt Damon, he was, talk, he was, he was a, on this talk show and he was sharing, like, to keep himself humble, what he would do is he would take three a day, and, and then he described what that means. What he would do is go to an article about him, and he would just read a few of the comments about him. And he would just read three of them, and then he's like, I suck as a human being, right? But it really has an impact, and he shared that it impacts him. Whether we like it or not, words matter, and they're powerful. Words affect us. In fact, words form us. They can literally shape who we are. Words can actually get inside of us and reconfigure everything we believe about ourselves and about reality, And the fact of the matter is, each of us in here, we have words that we have either consumed or that have been spoken to us, and those words are coursing through our veins, and they're either poisoning us or they're nourishing us. And on top of this, every day, we are constantly being bombarded by all sorts of words that are shaping us, that are affecting our desires, that are impacting what we believe. By meditating on God's words... What we're doing is we're deliberately ingesting God's words and we're getting them into our polluted bloodstream, okay? And by doing this, we introduce a counteracting force into our lives that can reverse the effect of all those other words that have messed us up. 
Okay? By meditating on God's words, we can bring real nourishment to our hearts and minds, which in turn affects and changes what we believe, right? what we feel, what we desire in healthy and restorative ways. God's words can heal us where the world's words have broken us. Uh, I love Eugene Peterson, what he says about this, the imagery. Christians feed on Scripture. Holy Scripture nurtures, nurtures the holy community as food nurtures their human body. Christians don't simply learn or study or use Scripture. We assimilate it. We take it into our lives in such a way that it gets metabolized into acts of love. You know, at the beginning of his ministry, when Jesus is being tempted by Satan, remember that, that whole story at the beginning of his ministry? What does he say to Satan when he's being tempted by him? Well, one of the things he says to Satan is, is he says, is written, what? Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we've all heard those words before, right, if you've been coming to church. In fact, they're so familiar that we almost forget who uttered them. Jesus uttered those words. God uttered those words. The one who created us, the one who knows far better than we do exactly what we need in order to thrive as people without a hint of exaggeration. Jesus says more important to life than food are the words of God. The only words in the universe that can properly nourish the human soul are the words of God. That's what Jesus is saying. Brothers and sisters, do you feel like that you've been ingesting the words and the ideas that the world has to offer, but it's only taken you so far? Do you feel like you haven't been growing as a Christian? Do you feel like your faith is, is, is thin and powerless? It's because you need God's word nourishing you. Okay? And I'm not talking about just reading God's word. Okay? Feeding on the words of God is different from just reading. You know, plenty of religious authorities during Jesus' time, they read and they knew the scriptures, but many of them didn't get nourished by them because they read only for knowledge. They didn't get it into their hearts. Meditative prayer, what we did before, where we soak in the words, where we soak in the words, where we let them move us and examine us and reveal things to us, which we in turn process with God and repent to God through prayer, that is what will get God's words into our hearts. That is what will nourish and grow us and change us and change our lives. There's a, a man named Emile Callier. He was a, uh, an atheist for most of his life. Eventually, he went to fight in World War I, and after he came out, he was even more of an atheist after seeing all that death and carnage, right? Well, after uh, he recovered from some, from some of the wounds that he received when he was in battle, uh, he remembers embarking on a journey or on a project where he would find, uh, he wanted to find a book, quote-unquote, a book that understands him, okay? He said, I want to find a book that understands me, and he realized, you know, the Probably is no book that's written that will understand him. So what he did was he started compiling a book of his own. So he had a leather journal, 
Every time he came across a philosopher that said something great that really impacted him, he would write it down, right? And after years of collecting all these quotes from all these different thinkers and things like that, he, he was excited because one day he sat underneath a tree. He said, I'm going to read this book, and this book is going to just really understand who I am. And he sat under that tree, and he read the book, and he said he was severely disappointed because as he was reading, reading these quotes, he realized that he had already outgrown them. He remembers the context, you know, when he wrote them down, but that's about it. They didn't, they didn't come to life like he had hoped, right? Well, what happened was, you know, he was married at the time. His wife one day brought home a Bible, and he had never read a Bible before, believe it or not. And so what he did was like, let's see what this has to say. And people talk about it like it's important. So he started reading it, and he read the Gospels, and he just flew through the Gospels that night. And when he read that book, he said, finally... I have found a book that understands me. And he eventually became a professor and a philosopher teaching at the University of Pennsylvania, eventually also Princeton Theological Seminary and became a Christian. Right? The Bible, if you take it in, can feed you, can examine you, can understand you in ways that no other book, no other words can. The scripture, scripture we, we read today says, Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prosperous. Now, in this passage, uh, when it talks about the law of God uh, here, and, and talks about streams of water, it's referring to the word of God, the entire counsel of God. Yeah, that's what it's referring to. And I, I love how Tim Keller really draws out the point of this passage in Psalm 1. Uh, he, he really draws it out well in his, uh, in his uh, book on prayer. And I want to read this to you. If you guys can just really listen closely, I feel like this is pretty much the whole sermon, right? This is what he says. Meditation is likened to tree roots taking in water. Fits our theme very well, which is why I picked it, okay? That means not merely knowing a truth, but taking it inside and making it part of yourself. Meditation is spiritually tasting the scripture, delighting in it, sensing the sweetness of the teaching, feeling the conviction of what it tells us about ourselves, and taking God and praising God for what it shows us about him. Meditation is also spiritually digesting the scripture, applying it, thinking out how it affects you, describes you, guides you in the most practical way. It is drawing strength from Scripture, letting it give you hope, using it to remember how loved you are. Now, to switch metaphors real quick, another way to think of God's Word is, that, is to think of it this way. When we absorb it into our lives, God's Word has a washing effect on our hearts and minds. Okay, in Ephesians, Paul actually talks about it this way. He says, he calls it the washing with water through the word. Okay, the washing with water through the word. Okay, basically, the word of God, when we start immersing our lives in it, what it does is it begins to wash away the pollutants of sin in our minds and in our hearts. Our sin pattern thinking starts patterning itself after God's truth instead. Dallas Willard, I love how he says this. He says, the word moves into every part of our personality, just like water and soap move through the, shirt, the, the shirt's fibers. God's word pushes out and replaces all that is false and opposed to God's purposes. 
You know, when the Apostle Paul in Romans, uh, this is what he says. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what he's talking about, that whole thing about washing your, your heart with the Word of God. Meditative prayer will do this in your life. Now, the other reason why meditative prayer is so important is because prayer, okay, is a conversation. Okay, prayer is a conversation. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. How does that make it important? Well, let me explain what I mean by that. So, I love I love listening to podcasts, right? Uh, and one of my favorite podcasts is by uh, a man named Sam Jones. Right? And the podcast that he, he runs is, is called Off Camera. You can find it on iTunes and anywhere. His title is Off Camera. Now, on this po- podcast, what he does uh, in each episode is he basically just has an hour-long conversation with a celebrity, uh, from the media industry, whether it's music, you know, or TV or, or movies, right? And he spends that hour long, uh, that hour talking with them about their lives, right, about their careers and how they approach the creative process, which is actually my, my favorite part of the conversation. So that's why he calls it off camera. He has these conversations about what their life is like off camera. One of the things that always impresses me about how Sam Jones conducts these conversations is the amount of research he does beforehand, right? He actually takes the time to watch all of their movies or to listen to all of their songs, to research their history and their background and so on. And because he's done his research, when he talks with them, right, he has something to talk about, okay? And he's able to engage them, engage with them not only intelligently about their lives, but also at a much deeper level, okay? The conversation is just so much more rich and more involved and more intimate, than if he had gone into the conversation cold turkey without knowing anything about them. The reality of prayer is this. It is harder to engage in conversation with God if we know nothing about him. I mean, think about it. If we don't know anything about him, how do we know who we are engaging with? How do we know his personality? How do we know what's important to him? How how do we know how he feels about us? If we are relying on the caricatures of God that the world feeds us, no wonder our prayer lives are so sad. At the end of the day, if we know nothing about God, our conversations with him are mostly going to be about ourselves. Now, someone says, well, isn't that what conversation is for? To learn about the other person through the conversation itself. God can just tell us about himself. Indeed, prayer, if it is unrightly, will increase our knowledge of God and our understanding of Him. But the problem is, because of sin, our ability to hear God directly has been affected and distorted. So we hear all manner of voices in our heads, and we have a hard time discerning which is God's. So in this, in this state, if we start from nowhere Okay? Or with the ideas that we have in our heads that have been fed to us through the world, we may very well be speaking to a figment of our imaginations. And we may very well come away hearing things that God is not saying at all. What we need is we need a reliable place to start so we know that we are engaging the real God. And God 
actually gave us that reliable place to start with the Bible. See, God has already told us so much about himself and how he feels about us and so on. God, in fact, has already initiated the conversation with us. Okay, and, we, and we can use that. We can learn from what he's already spoken to us. You know, a lot of us are like, you know, God hasn't spoken to us. God hasn't revealed anything about himself to us. Yes, he has. He has started the conversation in the Bible. Tim Keller, this is what he says. What is prayer then in its fullest sense? Prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through his word and his grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. He's already started the conversation. Now, we can completely, you know, we can choose to, we can completely disregard everything that God has shared with us. We can do that. But again, that will only serve to cripple our conversation with him. Why would we do that? I mean, do we really want to rely on guesswork? You know, maybe this is God that I'm talking to, or maybe this is what I'm hearing, right? Are you going to do that? Or are you going to look at what God actually said about himself, and then start your conversation from there? Throughout Scripture, God is talking with us. He is sharing with us who he is, how he feels about us, who we are, his plans for us, and so on. He's beckoning us to engage with him through what he reveals about himself. He wants to take this conversation deeper with us, and the way that will happen for us is if we, if we respond to what he's already said to us. And it's not that he's trying to control our conversation with him. Oh, this is the only thing you can talk about, what I revealed. No, it's not. Look, we can talk to him about whatever we want. But only when we take the time to know how he started the conversation with us can we engage intelligently and deeply with the real God and not just some figment of our imaginations. What meditative prayer is, is it's starting with what God has revealed and letting that drive our conversation with him deeper into him and into yourself. And when you do that, you will find that you are talking actually with the living God. And your prayer life will be richer, it will be far more illuminating, far more productive for the kingdom, and far more transformative, and I would even say far more interesting. When I engage in meditative prayer and these passages come alive, I'm telling you, my prayers are much more interesting than if I just go through a laundry list of the things that I want. Brothers and sisters, the Bible is a record of God's interaction with people. In fact, in the Gospel of John, it says that Jesus himself is the very word of God. And then in Hebrews, it says this. It says, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Now, I explain what all that means and all the amazing implications at length in, in a couple sermons I gave in the past. If you guys want to hear those sermons, um, I can refer you to them. But for today's purposes, the point is this. If you really want to know God and converse with him, meditating on what is recorded of Jesus is essential because you want to, you know, people are like, who is Jesus? Who, I mean, you say, who is God? Jesus. What you see in Jesus, that's God. It's through Jesus that you will come to understand the personality of God, his motivations, his love, and so on. And if you let that fuel your prayers, you will find his words coming to life. 
inside of you. And I'm not just talking about this metaphorically. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And I did a whole sermon on that as well, about what does it really mean that God's words are alive? They really are. Jesus, the Word of God, and the Spirit are alive, brothers and sisters, and they will work on your heart if you let them in through meditating on His Word and through prayer. Like how David Benner uh, talks about this, he, 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 what he started doing was he started really focusing on the, the gospel stories about Jesus and really meditating on, on them. And after, that, after he did that, this is what he says. For the word of God, uh, actually, sorry, it says this. Uh, he says this. Spending time with Jesus in gospel meditation has begun to put flesh on the God I have been seeking to know for so many years. As Jesus has begun to become more human and real to me, the invisible God uh, of whom he is the image has become more accessible. You know, last week I I talked about the Lord's Prayer, right? You know, it's actually hard to pray the Lord's Prayer if you don't learn about the God and the Jesus behind the Lord's Prayer. I mean, you know, at the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, you say, Father, how do you know who the Father is and what He's like unless you learn about Him first. Your will be done. How do you know what, his, what He wants? You know, forgive me. You know, how do you know He will forgive you if you don't know anything about Him? I think I lost the page. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is why it's important to uh, exercise meditative prayer. Okay, to get to know him so that you can feel your prayers. Now, let me close with one final thought. You know, I know some people, they balk at the idea of using our imagination during meditation, right? But here's the thing. The reason people have reservations is because they forget that the imagination is actually one of humanity's most important tools at apprehending truth. And I've talked about this in the past. A lot of us, we think of imagination, we're like, oh, fiction and stuff like that. I've talked about uh, this in the past, so, so let me be brief about, you know, those, for those who haven't been around. So if you know about, uh, if you guys know anything about Albert Einstein's life, you know that he's famous for having used his imagination to, un- to solve, actually, and to understand the universe better. Through the use of what, what's called imaginative thought experiments, Einstein was able to make breakthroughs in theoretical physics. Through his imagination, he was able to apprehend truths about our physical universe, which have been confirmed through concrete experiences afterward. And if you just take a moment and think about it, you realize that we use our imaginations, right, in almost every facet of life. You know, without your imagination... New technologies could not be developed, right? Without the use of your imagination, new technologies cannot be developed. The problems of the world would remain unsolved. Relationships would suffer greatly. Empathy would be non-existent. You need to have an imagination to be able to understand what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes, and so on. The imagination is fundamental to our existence, to our experience as human beings, and to understanding and apprehending truth. You know, Jesus' parables, like I referred to at the beginning of the sermon, if you think about it, they are works of complete fiction, right? Jesus uses his imagination to create stories with fictional characters in fictional scenarios. But despite them being fiction, what do you notice about these stories? They are filled to the brim with wisdom and truth. 
and understanding. See, Jesus uses his imagination to create stories that would engage our imaginations to teach us truths about the world, about sin, about forgiveness, to expose our heart attitudes, our greed, our idols, and our stupidity, right? To uncover realities about God and about ourselves that we previously did not know or understand or had ignored. See, more than escaping from reality, which is what a lot of us use fiction for, Jesus used his imagination to engage our imaginations so that we would face reality and truth more earnestly than ever before. In meditative prayer, we aren't using our imaginations to go on flights of fancy. Okay? No, we are letting Scripture be the anchor and the line along which our imaginations function. Now, I'm not saying as you, that as you do that, whatever comes to mind is valid. Okay? Einstein didn't just let his imagination go wild and whatever he imagined, he wrote down as truth. That's not what he did. No, imagination must be disciplined and channeled. So in the context of meditative prayer, we have to ask ourselves things like, what is God's truth really trying to teach here? You know, does what I'm imagining fit in with the rest with what the rest of the Bible and the gospel teaches and what I find in Jesus Christ? Am I looking for what God has to teach me through this passage or am I looking for stuff that I want to hear and that I hope is being said? You need to ask those questions to keep your imagination accountable. If you keep your imagination accountable, you can leverage it powerfully to encounter truth in your meditative prayers. Remember, brothers and sisters, Christian meditation is different from Eastern meditation. Eastern meditation is about the emptying of the mind and the self. Christian meditation is about filling it with the truth of God so that it leads to deeper relationship and engagement in prayer. You know, brothers and sisters, a lot of people don't realize this about the Bible. The Bible is actually a participatory text. That's how it's meant to be read and consumed. When we interact with it, using our imaginations and through prayer, we get deeper into the life of God. We become like the tree with deep roots planted near streams of water. You know, um, Jesus, he's a person who constantly quoted scripture if you read about him in the gospels. In fact, he bled scripture. When he's on the cross, what's he doing? He's quoting scripture. He bled scripture. That's how much he, scripture was saturated him. Jesus anchored himself in scripture and that is what made him immovable. His roots went deep into scripture. And that's what made him strong and sturdy and immovable. The deeper you get your roots in God's words, the deeper you get your roots into Jesus and what he's done for you, and the deeper you get your roots into the gospel through meditative prayer, the more it will also anchor your life and give you life as well. If we're going to have the praise team come up. Uh, so, you know, we are actually just finished our uh, 21 days of prayer. Uh, those of you who are new to the church, you might not know what that is. We had a booklet that we printed and we gave it to all of our congregants. We asked them to each day kind of just go through this short prayer exercise. Uh, so we literally just finished it. Um, 
what I'm going to ask us to do, you know, we've been talking a lot about prayer these past uh, few Sundays, uh, is that during this time, let's not just kind of be like, okay, 21 days of prayer are done. You know, it was nice, it was fun, I learned a few things. Uh, no, I want you to take this time to ask God, hey, God, you know, I realize prayer is really fundamental to, be, to becoming more rooted in you. Help me to learn how to pray, uh, not like, oh, you know, this in a Christianese kind of way or in a way that, you know, I've done it in the past where it's been burdensome, but how, how, breathe new life into my prayer this year. Help me to taste what it, what it means to pray so that my, my roots go deep and I experience your joy and your nourishment through it. Okay, I know some of you, you've been trying, you're like, ah, it's just not taking traction. It takes, takes some time to learn. It takes time to learn to meditate. It takes time to learn to pray and things like that. But if you, if you keep asking God and you keep persevering, uh, you'll experience the joy of it and it will change your life. I really mean that. So why don't we just take a couple of minutes and, you know, you can pray that, you know, God help me to pray, you know, really interact with you this year or whatever you feel like God is pressing on your heart about praying and deepening your roots uh, in him through prayer. Let's, let's, just, let's just process that with God. Let's talk to him, okay, because I promise you he's listening. Okay, let's pray.